Chapter fifty of the Emancipation of South America by Bartolome Mitre. Translated by William Pilling. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pietrnater. Apogee, Decline, and Fall of Bolivar, eighteen twenty four to eighteen thirty. The victory of Ayacucho put an end to the War of Independence in South America. All the royalist forces in Lower Peru capitulated, with the exception of those under command of Rodil, who, with a garrison of 2,200 men, held Callao for a year longer. Besieged by land and blockaded by sea, he surrendered in January 1826, quote, after the garrison had eaten all the horses, cats, and dogs in the place, end quote. In Upper Peru, the cities of Cusco, Arequipa, and Puno opened their gates to the victor, who crossed the Zaguadero and was received in triumph at La Paz, Oruro, Potosí, and Chiquisaca. The royalist army under Olañeta was dissolved by a mutiny, in which the general was killed, and Sucre, after overrunning the country, convened an assembly to decide upon its future policy. The Spanish squadron abandoned the coasts of Peru and dispersed in the Pacific. The island of Chiloe was the last position held by the Spaniards, but soon shared the fate of Callao. The poet of the century, perched in imagination on the summit of Chimborazo, cast his eyes over the new world and saw not one enslaved people. Bolivar was now at the apogee of his glorious career. His name was famous throughout the world. South America acclaimed him as her liberator. The exaggerated honors which were paid to him were but clouds of impure incense which could not obscure his real heroism and which a breath of common sense would have dispersed. He had the power to solve the political problem in a manner which would have made him the equal of Washington, but it was not in his nature to do so. He lacked the moral strength to keep a cool head at the height to which he had attained. As was the case with San Martin, the apogee of his career marked the commencement of his decline. One of the most noteworthy phenomena of the revolution in South America is the contrast between the qualities of the leaders and the instincts of the masses of the people. Emancipation came in the process of natural evolution, organized and directed by popular leaders, who had only one principle in common with those they led, the instinct of independence. They devoted their attention to mechanical facts, and for the most part knew nothing of the hidden forces of the movement they professed to guide. The revolution in South America was twofold in its action, internal and external. One force was directed against the common enemy, the other against the elementary organism of the peoples themselves. The spirit of South America was genuinely democratic, so could not be other than republican. The first development was into anarchy, from which was to arise a new national life. To check this anarchy, monarchical projects were hatched in the United Provinces, which resulted in their dissolution. The idea of establishing a monarchy in Peru destroyed the moral power of San Martin. The Empire of Mexico furnished proof enough of the error of this plan. The prolonged dictatorship of O'Higgins in Chile brought him to the ground. The oligarchical theories of Bolivar, which tended to monocracy, were rejected by congresses of republicans and brought about his fall. The liberators, with all their power and all their glory, could not turn the revolution from its natural sphere of action. The day they ceased to go with it, they were cast aside as obstacles to the march of progress. When the independence of America was secured at Ayacucho, the mission of Bolivar as a liberator came to an end. His duty, 
his honour, and even his interest, called upon him to retire from Peru, leaving the redeemed people to work out their own destinies. Monteagudo was the only one to give him such advice. On the night of the 28th of October, 1825, Monteagudo was assassinated in a lonely street in Lima. His death is a mystery. By some it is attributed to political enmity, by some to private revenge. Bolivar in person conducted the inquiry into this matter, and kept the secret to himself. Among the papers left by Monteagudo was found an essay upon the necessity of a general federation of the Spanish-speaking peoples of South America, based upon the plan of the Congress of Panama. An alliance of the republics of the New World was proposed, as a counterpoise to the holy alliance of the sovereigns of Europe. Suspicion was thrown upon the designs of the new empire of Brazil. Chile and the Argentine Republic were accused of lukewarmness in the common cause, and it was suggested that an appeal for help should be addressed to Great Britain and to the United States. Bolivar adopted the idea as a development of his own plan, and again summoned a congress at Panama, in the hope of organizing it himself. The United States accepted the invitation to send representatives, on condition of being permitted to remain neutral england also but only in order to have witness of her own to what went on brazil as a mere form and the argentine republic and chile with reservations deputies from peru mexico colombia and guatemala were the only ones who attended the congress when this shadowy congress escaped from his influence bolivar compared it to quote, that fool of a greek who standing on a rock pretends to guide the ships sailing around him his next step was for the fourth time to send in his resignation as president of colombia congress declined to receive it with unanimity but in silence at the same time he sent two commissioners to vice-president santander to announce his intention of quote, proceeding to argentine territory to establish the independence of south america by assisting the patriots end quote santander replied by reminding him that congress had only authorized him to carry on war outside the territory of colombia for the security of the republic of peru his third theatrical step was to resign the dictatorship of peru and to accept it again for reasons directly contrary to those on which he had based his resignation and with the farcical condition that quote, the odious word dictatorship end quote, should be no longer used congress also voted him a million dollars as a reward for his services which he refused for himself but accepted in the name of various charities to which they were never applied note the amount thus voted was after his death paid to the heirs of bolivar End of note. the servility of the congress of peru was repugnant even to bolivar and was censured by his colombian partisans the general assembly of the provinces of upper peru convened by sucre went even further than congress had done they declared bolivar to be quote, the first-born son of the new world the savior of the people end quote. and on the nineteenth of july eighteen twenty five placed themselves under the protection of his sword and of his wisdom they declared themselves independent of lower peru called their country the republic of bolivar and placed the supreme executive power in his hands so long as he should reside among them sucre acting as his delegate in his absence this assembly then dissolved 
and on the 6th of October a Constituent Assembly was convened, which applied to Bolívar for a constitution and for a garrison of 2,000 Colombian troops. In July Bolívar offered to help the Chileans to drive the Spaniards from the island of Chiloe. They declined other help than a subsidy, which did not meet his views, as his designs was to bring them under his sway by the help of Colombian troops. From the Congress of Colombia he had procured authority to take the Peruvian fleet and army to Colombia, under pretext of defending it from a French invasion, and so brought upon himself an accusation that he wished to oppress her with foreign bayonets. His policy tended to the establishment of a Praetorian Empire, an uncrowned monarchy supported by a standing army. Leaving Lower Peru under the rule of a council, he then went to Upper Peru. His journey from Lima to Potosí was one triumphal march. The cities presented him with golden keys and with war horses equipped with golden harness. At Arequipa, General Alvarado gave a rural banquet in his honor, at which the Argentine asado was the principal dish. There was abundance of claret to wash down the roast beef, but he asked for champagne, in which he indulged to an extent not usual with him. A toast was given to a unification of South America, on which he remarked that he would soon tread Argentine soil. Colonel de Hessa, also excited by wine, told him, quote, My countrymen do not welcome dictators to their territory. End quote. Bolivar sprang upon the table in a fury, and crushing glasses and plates under the heels of his boots, shouted, quote, Thus will I trample upon the Argentine Republic. End quote. An ebullition of temper roused by the opposition of the press of Buenos Aires to his anti-democratic plans. At Potosí he was met by General Alvear and Dr. Díaz Vélez, envoys sent by the Argentine government to congratulate him on his successes. He thanked them, but refused to treat further with them, alleging, as an excuse, the absence of his Minister of Foreign Affairs. Afterwards, on learning that the Brazilians had occupied two provinces of Upper Peru, he managed to dispense with the aid of this official. When at Arequipa he had offered General Alvarado to send 6,000 men to aid the Argentines in the war with which they were threatened by Brazil, Alvarado had declined the offer. This incident now gave a plausible pretext for his interference in the question. On the 18th and 19th of October he held private conferences with the Argentine envoys, which greatly enlightened them as to his extravagant ideas. Among other proposals, he asked permission to cross Argentine territory with a Colombian army to overturn the despotism of Dr. Francia in Paraguay, which could not be granted, as all Argentine governments had steadily followed a policy of non-intervention in the internal affairs of other nations. He met them again at Chiquisaca, but the interview had no definite result, and the occupation of the province of Tarija, which was formerly one of the United Provinces, by Colombian troops, nearly produced an open rupture. Rivadavia, who was about that time elected president of the United Provinces, looked upon Bolivar and his army as a danger, but the idea of his armed intervention in Argentine affairs was welcomed by the opposition press of Buenos Aires. They echoed his words that, quote, the Argentine Republic could not triumph alone over the Emperor of Brazil, and could not even organize itself without the help of the genius of America, end quote. 
but the Liberal press commenced to analyse the tendencies of the proposed monocracy, and their words found echo in the public opinion of Bolivia, Peru, and Colombia. Chile was the first state to join the United Provinces in open opposition to his views. Bolivar then returned to Lima, and on the 25th of May, 1826, sent to Upper Peru a draft of a constitution for the Republic of Bolivia. All the works of Bolivar, both political and military, are so impressed with his own character that it has been necessary to invent special words to express them. His system of warfare was a melange of the warlike propensities of the indigenous races with European discipline. With little knowledge of tactics and with less strategy, he gained his victories by audacity, by impetuosity in attack, and by unfailing constancy in defeat somewhat after the style of Charles the Twelfth. His power was symbolized by a new title, involving a permanent dictatorship. He called himself the Liberator. His policy was neither democratic, nor aristocratic, nor autocratic. The historian has had to invent a word to describe it, monocratic. For the new republic formed in Upper Peru, he invented a new name, derived from his own, Bolivia. The constitution drawn up by him for the new state is an amalgam of ancient traditions with modern practice. It has something of the Greek Republic, something of the Roman Caesarism, something of the English monarchy, something of the consular constitution of Napoleon. The base of the system is a president nominated for life, with power to name his successor and elected by a representative assembly appointed by an electoral body. The legislative power was shared by three chambers, one of which exercised a species of censorship over the other two, like to that of the Council of the Areopagos of Athens. With some slight modifications, this constitution was adopted by the Constituent Assembly, and Sucre was elected president, but with power subordinate to that of the Liberator when he was there. But Bolivia was too small a sphere of action for Bolivar, for the realization of his plan it was now necessary to impose the same constitution upon peru and colombia binding the three states together by one supreme authority vested in his own person as the liberator when the congress of peru reassembled there appeared in it a new national party opposed to the dictatorship and to the continued presence of colombian troops Government then found that the elections were irregular, and 52 of the deputies asked for their own dissolution. At the same time, the discovery of a conspiracy against the dictator sent some victims into banishment and brought others to the scaffold. While preparations were being made for a new election, Bolivar threatened to leave Peru to its fate. With the most abject servility, all classes besought him not to desert them. One high dignitary actually asked him to set his foot on his neck, that he might have the honor of bearing the weight of the greatest man of the age. Still he remained obdurate, until a deputation of ladies waited upon him, to whom he gracefully yielded, and so brought the farce to an end. The Electoral College of Lima met on the 6th of August, and within a hedge of Colombian bayonets voted with unanimity the abrogation of the Constitution of 1823 and the adoption of the Bolivian Constitution. The example was followed by the provincial colleges. The new Constitution became law, and Bolivar was acclaimed perpetual president. Of course he declined the honor, but adopted it as soon as it was offered to him a second time.
now for Colombia. But meantime his idea had achieved a further development, quote, the great confederation of the Andes, end quote. Bolivia was to remain as one unit, Peru was to be divided in two, and Colombia into four states, each one with a president for life, satellites to the central power of the liberator. Sucre pronounced in favor of the new plan, Santander accepted it, and the Colombian leaders offered it the support of their swords. On this basis a treaty was signed between Bolivia and Peru, giving the two nations one federal congress, to which each should send nine deputies. But a special clause was added, that at the death of the liberator, each republic should be at liberty to withdraw from the Union. Quote, My funeral will then be as sanguinary as that of Alexander, end quote, said Bolivar. Much must be forgiven to Bolivar for the good by him accomplished. He did not wish to be a tyrant, but he did not understand that a people cannot be at once half free and half enslaved. His plan of a monocracy was a reaction against the revolution and against the independence of the new republics. It was a return to another colonial system, even worse than the one which had been destroyed. The paternal government of a distant and hereditary monarch was a less evil than would be a government dependent upon the life of one man. A crown had been offered to Bolivar, he had rejected the idea with scorn, but he now demanded a power greater than that of any king. Engaged in these dreams, Bolivar had led for two years in Lima the voluptuous life of an eastern prince, when evil news reached him from his native country, which he had apparently quite forgotten the venezuelans with paez at their head had risen against the general government and had demanded federal autonomy in new granada the liberal press vigorously attacked the principle of monocracy in september eighteen twenty six he went to guayaquil and resumed his absolute powers as president of the republic of colombia from there he went on to bogota and was met by a deputation of the people and of the authorities who assured him quote, that he could count upon their obedience under the constitution and under the laws which he had sworn to respect and uphold end quote. he answered angrily that he expected a welcome and not advice after that he went on to venezuela where he made terms with paez and agreed to a reform of the constitution of cucuta which in eighteen twenty one he had sworn should remain unchanged for ten years but public opinion no longer supported him the liberal press of bogota under the influence of santander fiercely attacked his policy on the sixth of february eighteen twenty seven he again sent in his resignation his example was followed by santander congress declined to accept either resignation but bolivar's was declined by fifty-six votes against twenty-four while santander's was declined by seventy against four both retained their offices but from this time he and santander became the heads of two antagonistic parties while affairs were in this state in colombia the people of peru and bolivia aided by the garrisons of colombian troops deposed their life presidents sucre made some attempt to re-establish his power but being attacked by a peruvian army under gamarra he withdrew from bolivia in october eighteen twenty seven taking the colombian troops with him the news of these events was received with rejoicing at bogota santander pronounced his approval of the conduct of the troops all were tired of bolivar
Colombia had been an efficient war machine in the hands of Bolívar, by which the independence of South America was secured, but was an anachronism as a nation. The interests of the different sections were antagonistic, and the military organization given to the country only strengthened the germs of disorder. Venezuela and New Granada were geographically marked out as independent nations. Quito, from historical antecedents, aspired to autonomy. Had Bolívar abstained from his dreams of conquest, and devoted his energies to the consolidation of his own country, he might perhaps have organized it into one nation under a federal form of government. But that work was not a task suited to his genius. When his own bayonets turned against him, he went so far as to despair of the republican system altogether, and sought the protection of a foreign king for the last fragment of his shattered monocracy on the ninth of april eighteen twenty eight he assembled a convention at ocania for the reform of the constitution of eighteen twenty one the partisans of santander were in a majority and the convention was dissolved on the tenth of june by the desertion of the partisans of bolivar on the thirteenth of june a popular junta assembled at bogota at which general cordova proposed the re-establishment of the dictatorship in the person of bolivar Bolivar accepted the office and suppressed that of vice-president. Military rule became dominant. Those who opposed the measure were banished as disturbers of public order. The study of political economy was prohibited in the universities, and liberty of the press was suspended. But Bolivar promised to convene another constituent congress a year from that time. According to Gervinus, the liberator now tore off the mask and showed the vulgar ambition which lay beneath. Yet he was not a tyrant, he was simply a despot, driving he knew not whither. The young man talked of the dagger of Brutus, but an attempt to assassinate him failed, and the principal conspirators died on the gibbet. Santander, who had joined the conspiracy, but had opposed the assassination, was sent into exile. The Colombian troops, which had mutinied in Peru, brought civil war to Guayaquil. Rebellion broke out in the province of Pasto. Bolivar declared war against Peru. Peru sent a fleet and an army and captured Guayaquil. Note, Admiral Guise, who commanded the Peruvian fleet, was killed in the attack. End of note. Their army was defeated by Sucre, but Bolivar, after losing 3,000 men in the marshes in an attempt to retake the city, made peace. Bolivar had appealed in vain to the ministers of the United States and of Great Britain to interfere for the prevention of anarchy. He now proposed to Colonel Campbell, the British charge d'affaires, to appoint a prince of some one of the reigning families of Europe, King of Colombia. Many of the chief dignitaries of Bogota accepted this idea and came to an understanding on the point with Messrs. Campbell and Presson, the diplomatic agents of Great Britain and France. But Bolivar, three months after he knew of this, suddenly told them in September 1829 that the idea could not be carried out, and that it was necessary to separate Venezuela from Colombia. The idea of a monarchy found no acceptance with the people. On the 14th of September, a rebellion, headed by General Cordoba, broke out at Antioquia, but was crushed, and Cordoba was brutally murdered. At the end of the year, Venezuela declared herself an independent republic under the presidency of General Paez, and pronounced sentence of perpetual exile against Bolivar. On the 30th of January, 1830, 
Bolívar convened at Bogotá the Constituent Congress he had promised, and concluded his message, quote, I blush to say that independence is the only good thing we have gained by the sacrifice of all else. End quote. He then retired to his country house at Fucha. Nevertheless, a party, strong both in Congress and among the people, desired his re-election, and he for some time expected it, but seeing that the bulk even of his old friends opposed it, he on the 24th of April sent in a formal resignation, couched in very simple terms, which was accepted. Don Joaquin Mosquera, leader of the Liberal Party, was elected president, but Congress decreed that Bolivar, Quote, was the first and best citizen of Colombia, and assigned him a pension of $30,000 a year, for his great wealth had all disappeared. End of chapter 50